This week's episode of The Clear Out was recorded on the 3rd of May 2023 at home in Wicklow. The 3rd of May. It's my niece's birthday and my sister-in-law's birthday. So I will say straight away, even though this isn't normally a place where I would say such things, I will say happy birthday Una and happy birthday Sarah. Neither of whom are probably listening to this but on the off chance. Okay, so this week's episode, um, recorded under duress, um, insofar as I was ill. I am ill, you can hear it. And I started recording the episode under the proviso that I might have to abandon and just put in place something pre-recorded. In the end, I persevered. Now, you're in for a treat if you like Star Wars. <laughs> and if you don't, you can stop listening right now. It's okay. It's okay. It's grand. Keep moving. I thought I was only going to talk about Star Wars briefly. Very, very briefly. Because, of course, it is. This episode is out on May the 4th. As in, May the 4th be with you. But I just kept going. And going. And going. Um, and... Yeah, that became the episode. So that's what's coming up. Me talking about Star Wars, my relationship to Star Wars. Why I believe I'm not a nerd, a Star Wars nerd or a comic book nerd. I talk about why I believe these characters, these worlds connect with us at a certain time in our lives. I look at the careers of some of the main actors in Star Wars and... Uh, yeah, I talk about them in the context of the other Star Wars movies, which are far less successful, and why I think that is. Um, yes, and that's kind of it. So, I mean, there's reflections on childhood, nostalgia, Star Wars figures, um, hero worship, idolatry, going to the movies, um, and recognizing the things that are important or recognising the things that were very important when when I was a kid. Um, that's a question always worth asking. You know, what's important to you now? Is Star Wars important to you now? Probably not, because you could be in your 60s or 70s. Maybe it's really important to you because you're in your 60s or your 70s. I don't know. Anyway, that's what's coming up. It's a bit of a... Star Wars Fest. So if that's your thing, get ready. It's going to be a bumpy ride. Okay? I'll see you around the corner. Cheers. Ooh, not going to change my mind. Leaving the dream behind. Keep my mojo inside. Hi, my name is Dara Clear, and you're listening to The Clear Out. How are you? How's the form? How's she cutting? Are you well? Now, if you're in any way observant, <laughs> you'll notice that I have a cold and I'm potentially, potentially going to cut this episode very short and instead of doing what I usually do and improvising, an hour of 
an hour to an hour and 20 minutes of um, free form um, positing and expostulating and holding forth on a, a couple of key ideas, I may end up just inserting something pre-recorded. But I may not. We'll, we'll, we'll see. We'll see how we get on. My fear is when you listen to a voice, a compromised voice like mine is at the moment, and it's more that my nose is compromised rather than my voice, um, it puts us off. We have a natural aversion that the energy of the voice will perhaps drag us down. I was in the car this morning. I was I was driving up to the north side of Dublin to help a friend uh cut down a tree and basically I was the monkey on the ground picking up the coconuts for the other monkey who was at the top of the tree <laughs> throwing them down but I I often listen to podcasts when I'm driving I'll stick my earbuds in um, and, and have a podcast in my ears but my my regular podcasts um, I, I'd listened to them already this week and I decided no I'll just either put on the radio or put on some music now I wasn't feeling well I've been sick for the last few days and I thought oh I don't know if I can handle music so I'll just put on uh, the radio and I put on uh, a news station and I lasted about three minutes and I had to turn it off I, it just felt like the the production, the deliberate decisions with the various jingles, the 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 cadence of the voices of the presenters. Um, I just had to to turn it off, and I think I mean I haven't seen the the data or the data if you prefer I think podcasts have really eaten into radio listenership because many many people are are sick of the radio and don't get me wrong I'm not trying to say there aren't still you know many many great radio programs and stations to listen to but a lot of radio really isn't that hot um so yeah, I just had to turn it off. And I travelled in silence. And I travelled home in silence as well. Um Yeah. So the, the the connection there, if you didn't if you didn't work it out, was the wrong sounds coming in our ears can put us off. It's very simple. Um and it's nice it's nice to spend time with a voice you like listening to. And I hope, <laughs> I live in hope. I never live in expectation. I live in hope. I live in hope that mine is a voice you can tolerate for the for the rest of this episode. And no doubt, I'll be back to my normal, less foghorny timbre uh, this time next week. Anyway, this is, I'm, I'm proceeding with, a, with a, that note of, of caution. So don't be surprised if I decide to uh, cry off a little bit earlier than normal and put something else in. I, I, as I said, I may not. 
So, what was I planning to talk about today? Well, the day, the day of release of this episode happens to be International Star Wars Day. Because it's May the 4th. May the 4th be with you. My youngest brother sent me that in a text two or three years ago. May the 4th be with you. And I hadn't a clue what he was on about. I didn't get it at all. And really, that was um, somewhat ironic. Because of the four brothers, the four sons in the family... I was the only one who was a true Star Wars fan because it came along and it was, yeah, it was right in my wheelhouse. I was but a child. But if you think about it, Star Wars came out in 77. And in fact, listen, (laughs) before I go any further, um, let me just apologize right now because I'm going to inflict on you a little bit of my Star Wars fandom and as ever I am in no way exceptional in fact I am pathetically commonplace and unoriginal in being a Gen X white male who loves Star Wars uh, but I was just about to take you through the the corresponding ages for the rele- release dates of the first three Star Wars movies which were 77, which was the original Star Wars that we all know and love, um, followed in 1980 by The Empire Strikes Back. And the that trilogy was brought to a, a very satisfying conclusion in 1983 with The Return of the Jedi. And so the corresponding ages, for me, I was three in 1977. Now, I really don't believe I saw it in 1977 I do remember seeing it in the cinema I do remember seeing it in the cinema before I saw The Empire Strikes Back so perhaps it was a re-release perhaps I saw it in I don't know 78, 79 it would have been 4 or 5 and it made a massive impression on me Um, and of course I saw the other films in the the cinema as well and I don't really think I have anything that I can say about Star Wars or add to the Star Wars fan conversation um, that hasn't been said by a million other people before me probably in far more fanatical obsessive detail um, perhaps more articulately than I could hope to do. So, I I won't I won't spend long on this, but I I, I do feel because the episode is coming out on May the fourth uh, that I should I should talk about it briefly. And I may have spoken about this briefly last year because my wife and daughter and I went to a, a concert in the National Concert Hall in Dublin of. John Williams's Star Wars music and it was absolutely fantastic. I was absolutely enthralled and completely sent time traveling back to my wide-eyed wondrous youth uh, when the Star Wars theme struck up the if you if you caught that episode last year the the conductor came out 
in full Darth Vader costume and conducted the opening music uh, fully clothed as such. Uh, he must have been absolutely roasting. When he removed the helmet, his head looked like a beetroot, a sweating, wet beetroot. But that was fantastic. Uh, and so I can't remember if I spoke about uh, Star Wars lore or my relationship to it last year. But um, I'm going to just indulge myself briefly here. Um, I was thinking about it earlier today and because I was considering whether I'd bother talk about it on the episode and I suppose the, you know, the, the, the conclusion I came to really was there may have been nothing more important in my life than Star Wars at that time and there was something about the way those characters and that story captured my imagination and opened up this sense of awe and wonder in me and hero worship i said you know yeah a hero worship um a form of i was going to use the word idolatry <laughs> but i mean that's probably right though isn't it i mean idolizing you know, particularly idolizing Harrison Ford's character Han Solo, and in a more reserved way, Mark Hamill's Luke Skywalker. Um, but there was something so so archetypally pure about the storytelling. Um, no accident of course but this idea of pitting the the sort of noble self-sacrificing undermanned underpowered underfinanced good guys against the the kind of the, 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 the totalitarian soulless heartless ruthless killing machine that was the the empire and you know the empire's chief lieutenant of darkness uh was darth vader and he represented the the dark side of the force the mystical force and luke skywalker became an apprentice jedi knight and represented the the good side of the force and so we're invited into this dichotomy of the human soul the you know the, the battle the battle between good and evil and i suppose the the spiritual premise of of the star wars mythology is that this mystical force lights up the entire universe and it can be used for good or for 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 ill and certain individuals are more disposed to harnessing and utilizing the force than others 
and are singled out for a particular attention or training or for this for for destruction and the you know this was this was enormously um tantalizing uh for from for you know for, for well i mean god <laughs> it seemed for everyone because it was such an you know extraordinary smash hit um but like i think for kids particularly there was something about the this kind of you know this mythos that george lucas created and imposed uh, on on his creations that resonated so deeply now i say resonate it's not that i had you know a reference point or a, you know any sort of recognition but it just seemed to be <laughs> so it seemed to speak to something that was incredibly powerful and believable and very what humbling humanizing something that made you feel okay there there are these big forces in the world and they can be overwhelming and they can ruin everything that is good and it's going to take particular individuals to to resist in the face of all temptations to do otherwise in the face of their own fears and and self-doubts um and that i mean i suppose ultimately what that comes back to is the, the you know the powerful resonant archetypal story and characters and how they through all kinds of different mythologies through the history of, of literature and storytelling speak to us and speak to people now it's interesting if you take that the success of that in the first three movies and then think of how far less successful that was with the subsequent star wars movies the the sort of the prequels that came out in the early 2000s um which i don't think i've i'm not even sure if i've seen the three of them i found them really disappointing and then the sort of the the not really a reboot but the the subsequent chapters of the story that came out in the last i think the first one was in 2011 so god it's 12 years already which sort of brought those stories to a conclusion um and again the those last three episodes of the star wars saga were more successful but still very flawed and there was a loss of there was a loss of clarity in the storytelling um and you just find yourself watching those movies and scratching your head a bit and thinking well what what were they thinking what were the writers thinking what was the director thinking um why aren't these stories as clear um and clean as the the original three movies uh and i think one of the reasons is 
you know, storytelling through film has changed. And also the pressure of fans on the, you know, the directors um, and writers who take on the, the continuation of these stories. The pressure of fans has become even greater and can have, a, I think from a film studio point of view, can have a huge influence on the success or failure of a movie. And so maybe directors and writers try to uh, second guess what the fans want. And it's a, it's a, it's a truism of writing that you should always write for yourself, not for the audience. Um, what do you think? I mean, do you, I, I, th- I think that's, I think that's how you get true voice because the second you start altering or, or doctoring or, or modifying or curating what you're saying for the audience the it, it, you know it's a step or two or three or four or five or six removed from your own first impulse your own vision your own voice um and i think that's that's what you get so even though the subsequent movies maybe from a special effects point of view are more impressive um maybe from a pacing point of view a slightly different pace maybe faster I, I don't know i haven't sat down and compared them but I may have mentioned in the past, when I first showed my daughter Star Wars, when she was, I don't know, four or five, maybe six, maybe five, she lapped it up. And it held her attention from start to finish in a way a lot of other modern films weren't doing. And that is the strength of the story and the clarity of the story. Um and of course, uh, the there's always been I've always been aware of a parallel between the Force and Jedi Knights um, and martial arts, and the sort of idea of the ascetic, disciplined, cool-headed, cool-blooded. Uh, warrior who has mastered their craft and uses it judiciously um, in the the pursuit of of justice and in defense of those who can't defend themselves which you know very idealistic interpretation of traditional martial arts philosophies but it's there like it's there it's there and when you look at the the sort of the tenets, the principles of traditional martial arts, all those um, ideas are in there. Um, you know, mastering oneself, controlling one's emotions, not striking first. Um, you know, discipline, etiquette, respect. Um, they're all in there. They're all in the mix. Um, but anyway, I mean, I didn't know that as a kid. What I did know was that Han Solo was so cool and funny, but cool. And just the guy he wanted to be. And Luke Skywalker was just 
<laughs> so full of potential. <laughs> he just had these awesome powers that you were waiting to see, waiting for him to realize his full potential. And that came to fruition very dramatically uh, in The Return of the Jedi, which, to be honest with you, is the weakest of the three, three films. But as a kid, it was the perfect ending because Luke Skywalker is suddenly a badass from being the sort of, you know, windswept desert surfer dude who just wants to have an adventure in uh, the first Star Wars movie um, to the 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 apprentice who is beginning to grasp the the enormity of the task in front of him in The Empire Strikes Back um, and who leaves his training impetuously, impulsively which we know isn't going to go well and the Empire Strikes Back is, you know, it it, 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 it packs a punch. Um, it's it's a real downer, and and the the big you know the big revelation where Luke Skywalker spoiler alert, but this is from forty three years ago. <laughs> the big revelation that Luke Skywalker um, when he's having his big duel with Darth Vader at the end of The Empire Strikes Back and Darth Vader tells him that he's his father and he doesn't believe it and we don't want to believe it and it's brilliant it's 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 high high drama um the you know the the, the epitome of Luke Skywalker's worst fears um and I remember when I watched that as a kid just feeling oh this is this has suddenly got very grown up this is some serious serious stuff happening here and that wasn't the scariest part of of the empire strikes back for me um but the scariest part was when luke skywalker is in the the swamp on i'm gonna go blank on the name of the planet wherever yoda the jedi master lives and the you know yoda who's trying to teach him the ways of the, the Jedi, the ways of the Force. And Luke Skywalker has to go into this sort of hollow, swampy, gacky, yucky, stinky, cave-like opening in the, in, the, in the swamp to face his biggest enemy, his biggest fear. And in there, he sees Darth Vader and he has a, a lightsaber duel with him and smashes his mask off. But when he looks down, the mask reveals Luke Skywalker's own face. Dun, dun, dun. Very Freudian. Um, and that, that was the scariest part for me. I remember just being freaked out by that as a kid and going, oh, not sure. What so I was six, six or seven then when I saw that. It all just felt incredibly incredibly ominous and when the the movie ends and we know Han Solo has been taken away frozen in a carbon chamber by the evil bounty hunter Boba Fett betrayed by his friend Lando Calrissian and Luke Skywalker's had his arm chopped off and he's just wondering what the hell are we going to do next you're just going oh my god what the hell 
don't leave us waiting. Um, and then you have one of the great opening sections of a movie um, at the start of Return of the Jedi. Like that whole entire opening sequence where Luke Skywalker comes to the, the lair of Jabba the Hutt who has the frozen Han Solo as a trophy and has, we, we discover, has Princess Leia as a dancing girl with a chain around her neck. Um, and Luke Skywalker, Skywalker goes in and we, we get signs of his power his mastery of the force and we're going okay this is not the luke skywalker from the empire strikes back this guy is going to kick some ass and you're just thrilled i remember i remember being thrilled and going this is unbelievable um and the rescue goes pear-shaped we think um but ultimately luke skywalker and his team triumph they rescue han solo who's blinded from having been in the, the chamber, temporarily blinded. And there's a great a great battle on this sort of uh, mini, you know, multi-person carry, uh, carrier that's about to take Han Solo and the, the rebels and throw them into the Sarlacc pit, this disgusting pit with, uh, you know, with teeth and tentacles that's going to devour them. Um, but Luke Skywalker does some groovy Jedi stuff and you know everyone all the good guys kick ass and it's great and then the rest of the movie eh so so um, and then there's a great battle at the end with Luke Skywalker and the Emperor who really is evil and scary and am I right I mean I, again I just kind of lost I lost interest <laughs> um, just as you may have in my you know rapid summary of the Star Wars movies but is the Emperor meant to be is it Palpatine? Is he the like the politician who's interested in? Oh, I can't even remember how boring it was. Like gerrymandering or tax laws in the galaxy in the 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 prequels that came out many years later. Holy hell, they got that one so wrong. Um, but if you rewatch the Return of the Jedi, what's interesting is watch it and be quite you know be quite focused on how much. Harrison Ford has to do in that movie and you will be surprised at how peripheral a character Han Solo is in Return of the Jedi he's just there to kind of you know crack some jokes and be the sort of confused jilted uh, lover of Princess Leia because he realizes he's tapped into something that there's some special connection between Leia and Luke okay spoiler alert again their brother and sister but Han Solo feels he's been spurned by Princess Leia and he doesn't it doesn't go down well. So he's kind of pouting and sulking for the latter part of the movie. It really it really isn't great. It really isn't great. But when I was nine, uh, my daughter's age now, I just thought it was the absolute business. I thought it was fantastic and something I wouldn't have articulated it as such, but the the poetic closing of the trilogy where Luke Skywalker makes peace with his father and Darth Vader comes to his rescue in his battle with the Emperor it just all felt lovely um, and he just felt cool everything's good the um, 
I mean, this is it's nearly a half an hour gone, and I, I said I wasn't going to spend long on this, but um, yeah, there you go. Um, I've never been very good at editing. Um, the thing I was thinking about, which I referred to earlier, was this idea of what was important to you. Like if you go back and you think, what was important to you? And why fantasy and heroes and fictional creations might be so significant to us when we're children. Why we have that relationship to fictional creations. And it really is... It's, it, I mean, it, it's so dependent on what the thing is at the time. I mean, really, yeah, that's it. The, you know, why does something resonate in a way that it, 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 it won't have at another time? Um, I mean, I, I remember coming to Star Trek at some point, um on TV, the series. Now, I can't remember if that was around a similar time. I thought, okay, well, this is science fiction. You know, that should be good. It's like Star Wars. And Star Trek simply isn't like Star Wars. It's a very, very different beast. And it's... I mean, how how would you distinguish the two? There was a tone. I come back to tone. There was a tone to Star Trek that simply wasn't that sexy compared to Star Wars. It didn't have the wow factor that Star Wars had. And of course, the Star Wars, you know, it was movies and the 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 arcs were much more um impressive. You know, the, the character arcs were much more impressive. You know, Luke Skywalker going from the beginning of Star Wars trying to buy droids, worker droids for his uncle to being the guy in the X-Wing fighter that blows up the Death Star at the end. Um, that's a great arc. Um, and, you know, being on, you know, just beginning to discover the Force and beginning to feel what he's capable of, that's a great arc. And Star Trek, there was something much more lo-fi and... I don't know, when I think of the two now, and you think of the creators, if you think of Gene Roddenberry, about whom I know virtually nothing, um, and in fact I should remove the virtually and just say about whom I know nothing other than he was the creator of Star Trek, uh, and you think of George Lucas, both of them created these these worlds, they created these characters, um, and they created very vivid characters and very, now I was going to say believable world, worlds. Can you say that about science fiction? Is it believable? <laughs> Consistent, credible, um, fascinating, colourful, well thought out, logical worlds. I think, it, I think that's fair to say that. Um, but Star Trek tonally had something very different going on. And maybe that's because it was the 60s, wasn't it? Wasn't Star Trek the 60s? And it has that sort of 60s vibe to it. 
um and maybe it's the studio sets and the special effects and star wars when it came along was just like oh my goodness this is a whole other level um now if you'd gone from star trek to star wars i don't know i don't know what that journey was i don't know what that transition was and if people were like i don't know if people left star trek for star wars and never went back because of course you get enormously dedicated fans uh, of both worlds um but as a kid of my age it was going to be the other way around it would have been star wars first and then catching up with the star trek episodes like reruns on tv and then subsequently the star trek films i think i've over only ever seen one star trek film in the in the cinema uh, and that was much much later in the the star the star trek series um and then it was like the next generation in the 19 early 90s when star trek the next generation came on and patrick stewart as uh, jean-luc picard was such a beguiling um character and yeah just brilliantly played by patrick stewart and he brought well what i felt he just brought this kind of gravitas to that role and that series and yeah that for me for for a while certainly around 1990 1991 that was just must watch tv in a way i never felt um about (laughs) william shatner and leonard nimoy and the others uh, who starred in the original star trek series now speaking of william shatner there's a great great episode of lawrence krauss's origins podcast um which was out earlier this week which features a lengthy um i i don't know if you could call it an interview it's a conversation between lawrence krauss the host and william shatner um and one of the things that's remarkable about that i was saying it to a friend um is how young william shatner sounds because he's i think he's 92 and lawrence krauss is about to be 70 and he also sounds really young and basically the conversation is just them talking science and physics and astrophysics and relativity and quarks and i'm about to run out of my 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 physics um vocabulary it's a very entertaining listen and if you can follow it or if you have any sort of grounding in these things it's probably quite educational i didn't feel i knew any more about science afterwards (coughs) sorry and i couldn't have known less to begin with but um that is yeah highly recommended just for the warmth and humor um of the conversation the fun that william shatner brings to it uh i highly recommend you listen to that um and yeah okay so look i do want to kind of i I didn't answer my own question (laughs) I didn't answer my own question about why these things resonate. Um, like Harry Potter, for example. Harry Potter. I couldn't give a fig about Harry Potter. No interest. None whatsoever. Uh, now, you know from a previous episode, I am interested in the J.K. Rowling uh, controversy in terms of how she's found herself in the you know very hot the volcanically hot and controversial center of the culture wars and has been vilified and held up as a figure of hate by the 
LGBTQ and you know uh, community, particularly the trans community. Um, I'm not. I remain. I remain unconvinced about how justified that anger is. Um, but I also remain probably only. You know, I, I probably remain insufficiently informed. Um, but again, you can revisit my episode on that, which I did towards the end of last year. Um, but yeah, Harry Potter and the Harry Potter universe, the Harry Potter world, no interest. I picked up the first book once. I lasted about 10 pages and I was like, nah, not for me. And then the movies, I couldn't get through the first, yeah, whatever, however long of the first one. And that's, that's a barometer for me. I often will go into a bookshop and pick up a book and I'll read the first few pages and that's it. If the first few pages get me, it's worth getting. And if they don't, see you later. It's very simple. I tried watching recently the Bradley Cooper um, sexy chef movie, Burnt. And again, I don't think I got past five minutes. I thought it was absolutely unwatchable. It was just... It, it, I don't know. It just... It, there was just... I, 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 I'm struggling to articulate how utterly crap I, I, I felt it was going to be. And I felt it was. Those first few minutes I watched, it was... There was nothing original about it at all. There was nothing... I, I don't even know if that's the thing. Because it doesn't have to be original, does it? Like a genre movie doesn't have to be original. It can just be done well. But that script... The, you know what he was given to say how they were setting up his character um it was just terrible you know just you know squeezing in this kind of exposition and we were meant to care about him and I was like there's no way in hell I'm gonna care about this guy I'm out uh, and see that's something you couldn't say about Han Solo or Luke Skywalker or Princess Leia even Chewbacca, even C-3PO and R2-D2, even Darth Vader, you cared about these characters. Obi-Wan Kenobi, you cared about these characters because they brought humanity. Even Darth Vader, as scary as he was, brought humanity. The James Earl Jones voice work captured something of that moral struggle within Darth Vader as he got to know Luke Skywalker better. And they were compelling characters. Um, and because you cared about those characters, you were very interested to see what else they were doing subsequently. And subsequently, <laughs> I don't think I've seen a single thing Mark Hamill did. Um, I'm aware he did the voice of the Joker in the animated Batman series, again, going back to the sort of the 90s and 2000s. Um, I don't think I've seen him in a single thing. Did he turn up in um, a Jay and Silent Bob movie? I think he did. Uh, one of the Kevin Smith movies, which I think was a, a riff on Star Wars anyway, because it was like Jay and Silent Bob strike back. And I think Mark Hamill turns up at the end of that sort of... He seems to have been a great sport over the years at sort of poking fun at himself. Um, but... 
yeah, I didn't, I didn't, I didn't look at his his filmography after um, Return of the Jedi. Harrison Ford just had this extraordinary time and made so many good movies through the eighties. Um, and you can see if you look at his, if you go look at his, you know, filmography, like he did um, a couple of other movies around the same time as Star Wars. He did. He had a small role in Apocalypse Now um as a as an officer in one of the early meetings with Martin Sheen when Martin Sheen's been given his mission to go and take out Colonel Kurtz. Um he ha he did a, a comedy western called The Frisco Kid with Gene Wilder. Um which I remember I remember liking that a lot as a kid. He he must have done American graffiti and I think he even was in the sequel more American graffiti around that time as well but then it kicked on and of course he was doing he started doing the Raiders of the Lost Ark the Indiana Jones movies at the same time as the Star Wars movies um, but then went on to do Witness and The Mosquito Coast and uh, Frantic um, Working Girl these are all good movies these are all good movies Um I'm trying to think. Oh, Presumed Innocent, 1990. Uh, I'm just pulling these out of my head at the moment. Um, and he was doing well. I'm trying to think. It, it, it probably started to go cold when he did Regarding Henry, um, where he played like the angry, you know, the, the sort of yuppie, Gordon Gecko-esque um, legal guy who is in uh he's in a like a, a he's mugged or caught up in a mugging or caught up in a hold up in a shop and basically has a, a head injury <laughs> and when he wakes up from his head injury he's all nice and sweet and kind of doe-eyed um i'm not sure how well that movie ages and then i don't know the the hits really did. St- I mean, he did all the 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 the, the, the Tom Clancy stuff. Um, Jack Ryan wasn't it? Clear and Present Danger, um, Patriot Games. Even though it was a, I'm a hu- he was a huge Harrison Ford fan, I didn't really go for that stuff. Um, what Lies Beneath was good. That felt like a return to form. That must have been the late nineties, was it? And then just nothing for so long. Just loads of duds. And then people started talking about him in the age of Adeline, um, where he played like the the older the the, the, the love interest of this time travelling woman played by Blake Lively, who she doesn't age and then she comes across him, he was a lover from when she was younger, and now he's an older man, it's Harrison Ford. And I remember people going, Oh, Harrison Ford's great in this <laughs> And I was like, Yeah, wow, you're so desperate for a charismatic leading man of real quality that Harrison Ford basically being Harrison Ford um, you ha- you know, gets you all gooey eyed again and you know the same was true when he turned up towards the end of the, the Blade Runner sequel oh, I forgot to mention Blade Runner before and that great run of movies uh, Blade Runner was 82 wasn't it so just before Return of the Jedi um Oh man, so many great, 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 great Harrison Ford movies. Um, 
yeah and then of course he he turned up in the the more recent star wars movies um i won't tell you how that ended and carrie fisher here's a funny one right so carrie fisher obviously the the daughter of debbie reynolds and eddie fisher and kind of followed her mum into entertainment and she'd been in shampoo a movie i hadn't seen when i was um watching the star wars movie that no didn't really know about it until later um carrie fisher again not someone i would have really i wasn't following her career too closely but i remember seeing her in when harry met sally and thinking oh wow cool there's carrie fisher look at her all grown up and doing you know some real grown-up funny acting in this kind of funny grown-up funny romantic comedy um and that was 1989 that was only six years after the return of the jedi and i think she was only like 32 when she would have filmed um when harry met sally so or maybe even 31 and again i've spoken about this before the way time I mean, I did an episode of this earlier this year about this kind of the elasticity of time and how that space of six years. Now, I don't know if I don't think I saw when Harry met Sally right then in 1989. Maybe it was 1990, 91 when I saw it. It felt like it was eons since the Star Wars experience. Eons. Uh, you know, a different time entirely. But like I was still only 16 or 17. Um, but I suppose there's a big difference between 9 and 16 or 17. I mean, certainly if I contemplate what my daughter might be like um, at, at those ages in the future, that'll be a young woman as opposed to the, the little girl that's before me now. I did ask Maeve if she wanted to be interviewed to share her thoughts on Star Wars, and she wasn't interested. Um she did say that Darth Vader is a cool guy. Um, so she had this uh, affinity for Darth Vader from the very first movie. And um, when she watched, I'm sure I may have mentioned this before, when she watched Return of the Jedi, she was horrified that Darth Vader died at the end of that. And she built a shrine to Darth Vader in our, our living room in, in Melbourne. And... Uh, yeah she continues to have a, a soft spot for Darth Vader and again I may be repeating myself but uh, so be it it does make me worry about the type of men uh, she's going to be interested in um, or women if, if, if it works out that way so um, I'll be I'll be trying to stay in shape <laughs> I'll I'm going to dust off my lightsaber. Um, and I'm just going to jump in there right away. I don't have a lightsaber. Okay? That was a metaphor. Okay? I don't have a lightsaber. I'm in this funny, funny territory where I've never really felt like... <laughs> and this is a case of me thinks the lady doth protest too much. But... I've never thought of myself as a nerd, even though I had 
a foot strongly in the Star Wars camp, even though I had a foot strongly in the 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 comic book camp. By which I mean specifically Marvel Comics, uh, Iron Man and Spider-Man and Captain America, The Thing, uh, The Avengers. I subscribed to, uh, read those comics, loved them um, in my, um, around that kind of, you know, 10, 11, 12, 13 age. Um, And then it passes. It passes. But, um, you know, I've retained my affection for those uh, characters, those stories, those worlds. I've retained a certain amount of the knowledge um, that I I devoured and consumed and memorized as a kid. Um, and I didn't have that many, I didn't, I don't feel like I had really anyone around me that was, was into that stuff in the same way. And maybe that's why I never really kicked on to be a full comic book nerd or, or Star Wars nerd. And I've come across those guys. Um, I worked with a teacher um, in a school uh, down this way before we headed out to Australia in, in 2010. And we exchanged some graphic novels. Um, graphic novels. I have a, a friend of a friend of mine who says graphic novels. It's, it's just a, a pretentious, it's, it's just a pretentious term. They're just comic books. Just call them what they are. Um, I, I don't know. I like, I like graphic novels. Uh, but we exchanged graphic novels or comic books for big boys and he announced to the staff room that we were like you know kind of brought me in threw an arm around me you know we're nerds and I was thinking to myself no I don't think so buddy (laughs) I was thinking you're definitely a nerd (laughs) I I am not and I'm not I'm not sure I'm trying to I'm trying I'm just processing it now and trying to think what is it that makes me so certain I'm not that and maybe it's a certain hey it's tone it's tone it's also maybe the level of passion (laughs) you bring to discussing these things now I don't feel I've been particularly passionate during this episode um but there's a, a level of conviction and passion that the true nerd brings to how they speak about these characters and these worlds. They they, they speak about these characters like they are deities. They speak about these worlds like they are, you know, they are sacred texts. They are gospel. And... I simply don't feel that way as much as I love those characters. Loved, love, mm, don't know. I mean, I, I do. I love, you know, I, I was even considering sitting down to watch the first Star Wars movie again for this episode just to refire my 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 juices, my enthusiasm. Um, and I realized I don't need to. I don't need to. I remember every beat of that story. Um I remember the fear I had when our heroes were in the trash compactor on the Death Star. And when I watched that in the cinema and I was just, I was so afraid for them. It felt so terrifying. It felt so real. Um, 
I cared. I cared. And that's the thing. Like, that is the thing. Successful stories. And particularly for that type of story, you've got to care about the characters to go on the journey, to invest. Um, and so when I, you know, when everyone was raving about Harry Potter, I couldn't go there. I just couldn't go there. I felt, no, I had, you know, we had the Narnia books. If you're looking for a bit of fantasy, I'll go back and read, um, I'll go back and read the Narnia Chronicles. Um, different again. I can hear Pepper, the dog, barking outside. Don't know what that's about. It might be the podcast police coming to tell me to uh, to wrap this one up. Um, yeah. Again, I'm I'm trying to come back and to you know to wrap this up to wrap this episode up today this evening tonight because I'm I'm recording this at night a couple of hours before the episode comes out. Um, I suppose which is my way of saying I'm trying to think or this is the beginning of an idea the beginning of a theory when I think of this idea then of being young and connecting powerfully with fictional characters and as I did with Star Wars characters as I did with the aforementioned Narnia characters when I read those books I found though that world captivating the stories captivating um, Aslan captivating now I'm aware now that particularly Aslan Lion the Witch in the Wardrobe that was Christian allegory and that that cools me on it somewhat as an adult who is uh, an atheist um, who is an atheist who doesn't believe in a higher power who doesn't believe in God and reading the Lion the Witch in the Wardrobe as a kid didn't make me think of God <laughs> or the resurrection or the Christ story um, but I think innocence I think innocence is is the 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 fertile soil out of which that connection and resonance grows or it's the the fertile soil in which the the imagination thrives and how those stories can inspire such emotion and devotion such intensity of of feeling um I really do think innocence and I don't, I don't want to say naivety I mean I really mean innocence in that so little of the world has been discovered so little of ourselves has been have, you know has been discovered and we are the the tabula rasa is that the correct pronunciation the blank slate um, onto which things may be inscribed um, yeah we are the the receiving screen we are the receiving thing into which these vivid creations can be 
poured or or etched or embossed embedded um and that 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 certainly makes sense to me um and i was definitely i was definitely a kid who who was alive to the possibility of attractive human beings and you know and, and, and i don't mean from a purely aesthetic point of view um although that often could have been in the mix but alive to the possibility of yeah of slightly heroic figures walking amongst us um and the act of heroism might simply have been to be nice to be light to be breezy to be sunny to to show interest to carry themselves in a certain way with a certain energy to have a natural cool a natural allure and to be attractive in that way as a person um i definitely think that was on my radar um not you know not 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 consciously but uh, if i think back i feel yeah subconsciously i was responding to people in a certain way like certain people i'd respond to differently and maybe i was projecting things onto them and of course something in me at a young age the the nascent fantasist performer actor role player of course and again i am in no way exceptional and this does not just live in the world of star wars i mean this is any of us as kids and the characters that we respond to um the characters that resonate with us the characters that maybe we wish we were capable of being the you know the the, the defiant wise cracking fearless anti-hero type a la han solo um in uh in the star wars movies um i mean harrison ford i mean really you know as i get older you realize i realize that a lot of screen actors particularly a certain type of american screen actor all they're doing is bringing themselves to the screen they're just bringing themselves to the role and their natural thing is what we respond to um like christopher walken or like harrison ford marlon brando perhaps um i mean marlon brando could you know he could get lost a bit in his um in what he would try on i mean i don't know how much of himself was in fletcher christian in the mutiny on the bounty like that accent but but maybe if you see brando in on the waterfront you see brando in streetcar um and there's something undisguisably him that sensuality now harrison ford had that kind of vulnerability that slightly wounded thing always underneath the bravado um that, that was kind of his that was kind of his superpower i felt the vulnerability um 
walking. I mean, these are just, you know, these are just the guys that came in my head. Like, Walken's quirk, his strange syncopation, that's that's him. Like, that's his. You see him in interviews, like, <laughs> he's, it's like, oh my goodness, <laughs> this guy. Ah, oh, I don't know. Anyway, um, so there you go. Wasn't that brilliant? Wasn't that brilliant? I'm not going to talk about Star Wars much. And now I've just taken the whole bloody episode talking about Star Wars and I'm going to have the audacity um, to release it as this week's episode um, but hopefully hopefully you don't have to be a Star Wars fan to have chimed with what I've spoken about and sure look if you are a Star Wars fan great you might find fault with my analysis if it, uh, if, if it even passes for analysis um but that's it i'm gonna leave it there and i'm pleased i'm pleased i didn't have to resort to throwing up something that was pre-recorded these have been my thoughts on the world created the world and characters created by by george lucas um you should if you haven't seen it you should seek out there is a great documentary about the making of star wars and how unbelievably shy and awkward George Lucas was. Um, uh, and the tension that that created um, on the set um, was filmed in Shepperton Studios, wasn't it? Um, I mean, there's a lot, an awful lot of lore around Star Wars and the making of that, you know, of the movie. Um, and getting the finance and you know the success and you know the first impressions of George Lucas's peer group um you know Spielberg he could see he could see what it was meant to be and others were were less convinced but uh, George Lucas had the last laugh and George Lucas of course very canny operator he saw and I didn't speak about this and I meant to <laughs> he saw the opportunity with the the um the merchandising the merchandising and of course that was a bloody huge part of it and i forgot to mention this of course i had the star wars figures i loved the star wars figures i loved the the spaceships i loved anything i could get my hands on that was um part of the star wars universe and i had a, i had a reasonable collection not extensive i had friends who seemed to have everything and i was quite uh quite envious but um I had my own stuff and I made my own spaceships and I played out in the, the back field behind the house and I, you know created little little worlds for the characters to play in and for one birthday it may have been my 10th I was given a shoulder bag a Star Wars shoulder bag that had a photo on it from The Empire Strikes Back of Yoda and Luke Skywalker in the swamp. And I'm still I'm still trying to dig the name of Yoda's planet out of my head, but it's not coming. Um so I, I have failed. And there you go. I failed. I failed. That's that's I failed the nerd test or I've passed the nerd test, depending on you know which way you want to look at it. That's like, you know <coughs> sorry. How they tried to um 
determine whether a woman was a witch or not back in the day. Um, if you drown, you're a witch. You're, oh, sorry, if you drown, you're not a witch. And if you don't drown, we're going to kill you for being a witch. Um, isn't that one of those kind of... I don't even know what you call those tests. That wasn't a test. I mean, that was a, basically a form of you know execution. Um, so my nerd test, because I can't think of the name of that planet, it shows that I'm not a nerd. But now the nerds will kill me, maybe, for not being a nerd. I'm not sure. Okay. Um, I loved though. You know what? I, you know one of the things I loved about those Star Wars figures, I loved how they smelled. I loved the smell. I loved the smell of a Star Wars figure. Whatever, whatever they did to that plastic, I can smell it now. And somehow, the black plastic was particularly pungent, aromatic, just beautiful, beautiful. Um, yeah so there you go I don't have a fetish or anything um, but yeah if you want to send me a Star Wars figure I wouldn't say no I don't have any they all got passed down to my brothers and were eventually you know buried under sand or run over or destroyed or eaten by dogs or thrown in bins um, I bought my daughter some cheap really dodgy really not very proportional Chinese versions of the Star Wars characters and they all had little red laser lights in their chests they were truly crap um, but uh, I, I mean even now they say it, I, I don't know what I was thinking <laughs> my daughter did enjoy them um, but yeah I, yeah. anyway I've just made myself nostalgic for Star Wars stuff right the documentary on the making of Star Wars. Seek that one out. It's, it's probably on YouTube, the way lots of these things are. But that, that's well worth a watch. Fascinating stuff. Um, just look it up. You'll find stuff. There'll be loads of stuff online about this if you're interested. I'm done. I'm done. As always, you can throw me some love on social media using the links that are there wherever you're listening to this episode. Um, that would be YouTube and Instagram. Twitter. Um, what am I? What am I not? What am I not thinking of? Did I say Instagram? Instagram, YouTube, Facebook. Is that it? Yeah, you can tell. You can tell I'm not well. I can't even think. Uh, Patreon.com forward slash the clear out. The supporter link on Acast. There are lots of ways. Share, subscribe, comment, rate, whatever you like. I hope you enjoyed this episode. I will be back next week in full health with a clearer voice and I'll look forward to talking to you then. Okay, take care. All the best. Mind yourselves. Bye. Behind.